Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk it out. So nice to be with you on a sunny Sunday afternoon here in Portland, Oregon. That's when I'm recording this little intro. I am especially happy to be here today because this is our 200th episode. 200th. Holy moly, everybody. What a thing. What a thing. I want to thank you all for joining this conversation, and I want to encourage you to dig through the archives and find the conversations that most speak most directly to you. I mean, we've literally had hundreds of guests on this podcast to talk about their particular wedge of the pregnancy, parenting, and politics pie. Um, if there's something you're thinking about or wondering about or concerned about or just interested in, I bet we talked about it so far. If not, we sure will going forward. Now, for anyone who is brand new here, welcome. I am the author of a few books, which you can find over on my website, jeanfalkner.com. But Common Sense Pregnancy is the book that started this podcast conversation, um, I am a registered nurse and worked in labor and delivery for almost 20 years, which added up to literally thousands and thousands and thousands of births that I witnessed, participated in, delivered, assisted in, supervised, coached, or was directly involved with in big city hospitals in Los Angeles and here in Portland, Oregon. Um, that, and I have several kids myself. So basically I've kind of got the pregnancy, parenting and motherhood perspectives on lock. The politics part, um, is just feeling increasingly relevant in my life. And, um, that part comes naturally to me. I have always been politically active and interested and I voted and protested and signed petitions and campaigned and, made calls and, you know, occasionally threw my heart into one issue or another. Um, I've been all about civic engagement ever since I was a high schooler. And that is when I was taught about social justice and our opportunities as individuals and citizens to, uh, to make change happen. I was taught by a really great teacher and I went to a Catholic high school. And though I had already by that time quit believing in the church's dogma, probably around the time I was 13, but I still believed in many teachings of our Franciscan school and mission, which were service, justice, kindness, um, you know, generally have an awareness of the people around you who have less and see what you can do for them. It was a great way to be educated. And the older I get, the more I appreciate having had that base for my education. Um, it resonated for me, that part of it did. And all of those experiences as, and uh, you know, as an, in, an engaged citizen, um, I'm grateful for them. I got really excited about politics when I learned direct advocacy skills with my favorite humanitarian organization, CARE, care.org. Um, by getting involved with them about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, I learned about our power as citizens to gather with others and hold high-level meetings with our civic rep representatives, namely our Congress people and senators. Um, in this instance, I spoke with them, along with others, about the value of providing humanitarian and foreign assistance. Um, now, my point 
to this walk down memory lane is that you may have heard in the news that Portland is a bit under siege right now. Um, this is July 19th, 2020. We have a long history as a heavy protest in town, Portland, Oregon does. And as of this recording, Portland had, has had a run of more than 50 nights in a row of nightly protests that started with Breonna Taylor's and George Floyd's murders. Um, there have been nightly conflicts, too, between demonstrators, um, you know, both peaceful and those who have been destructive with the police, uh, who are, uh, they are coming on strong and violent and using tear gas and rubber bullets. And si they're inflicting significant injuries on people who are just exercising their civic right to protest. Uh, they're arresting and harassing journalists. It's been ugly. But Portland citizens, by the hundreds and thousands, have held their ground nightly. And last night, the crowd was huge. Uh, in addition to protesting police brutality, mass incarceration, and demand for big full-spectrum change, um, they gathered once again at the Multnomah County uh, Federal Justice Building, where that's sort of been the hub for so many of the demonstrations, um, they were also reacting to the presence of unidentified squads of federal agents who have swept into town, uh, I guess, essentially to put out these protests. Now, there's a great article that explains what's happening here in downtown Portland in today's edition of, of Oregon Public Broadcasting. Um, and it's called 50 Days of Protest in Portland, a Violent Police Response. This is how we got here. It's by Jonathan Levinson. Conrad Wilson, and Ryan Haas. Um, I want you to go check that out, and you'll get the whole picture. But anyway, it's happening here in my city, and it's gotten people pretty shaken up. And I'm going to go ahead and read a couple paragraphs from that article here. At first, activists viewed the agents as a minor nuisance compared to officers from the Portland Police Bureau, who for many nights before had used impact munitions and tear gas to drive demonstrators away from the building that houses the county jail and out of downtown Portland. Sent there by President Donald Trump, the federal officer's stated goal was to protect federal buildings from damage and keep federal personnel safe. But by July 4th, that mission shifted as federal officers cleared demonstrators, cleared demonstrator blocks away from federal property. Over the next two weeks, their tactics became increasingly aggressive. They hospitalized at least one person and grabbed others off Portland streets and into unmarked vehicles. Only after the last tactic gathered national headlines would the country take notice and ask, was Portland really a city under siege, as Acting Department of Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf described it. Protest protesters and journalists who regularly showed up at the nightly demonstrations agreed a, a siege was happening. But over 14 days, federal law enforcement increasingly became the occupying force. Yeah, go read the rest of it. Um, I don't want to say much more about it other than... What I've said before, what a fascinating time to be alive. I do want to say I am really proud of my Senator Jeff Merkley, my Governor Kate Brown, my Congressman Earl Blumenauer uh, for representing our, sit our state and city's values well. And I'm really loving the way Commissioner Joanne Hardesty is an increasingly important voice in this large 
civic conversation. She's great. Um, one more thing I want to just mention in the politics arena today is my most sincere thoughts and prayers are going towards Representative John Lewis' family. So sad to lose that good man who was called the conscience of Congress. Um, I was fortunate to meet Congressman Lewis in Washington, D.C. a few times during care conferences or meetings, and I heard him speak a few times as well. He was a humble, powerful man whose entire career represented his values. Good man. Sorry he's gone. His voice continues to be so, so needed on Capitol Hill. Okay, let's take a real, real quick break and get right back for this week's guest. All right, we are back and ready to lighten the mood a bit. I had a great conversation recently on a topic that's uncomfortable for a lot of women to talk about, men too, but maybe especially for women, Um, money. How many of us can say our relationship with money is all that solid? I mean, not that not that many working mothers I know, especially not right now when the world is upside down, can say, oh yeah, 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 I'm doing great. I'm it. This is it. I'm at my best. So this week's guest, Sandy Fernandez, who is the author of the book, Karmic Currency, she and I are going to have a conversation about it. Um, she is often referred to as the money angel. Sandy Fernandez is an author, financial consultant, clairvoyant, and energetic light worker. As the president and founder of Karmic Currency, Sandy teaches the energy behind business and fi- finance. So let's get Sandy on the line. Hi, Sandy. It's Jeannie. Hey, Jeannie, how are you? I am doing okay, considering it's just a crazy, crazy day around here. How are hey, you? Well, today's, today's Friday, girl, so, you know, we'll take it where we can. At least, you know, I don't know when you're going to air it, but today's Friday, so we got to celebrate the small wins where we can, right? Darn right, <laughs> darn right. So, Sandy, where are you? Where in the country are you? I am in Miami Beach, Florida. Ooh, beauty spot with sunshine and ocean and gorgeousness. Most days, yes. This week, it has been rainy. We are into day five of hurricane season. So, Mm. you know, in the summer, it rains a lot down here. So um, it's still beautiful, though. It is still beautiful. And I still wouldn't trade it for anywhere else (laughs) in the world, honestly. Well, I'm in I'm Portland, Oregon, where we get about nine to 10 months of rain per year. So Oregon has really good wines, though. Good wines, beautiful, beautiful country. Um, Got a million things going for it. But it's June and we haven't seen the sun on a consistent basis since October. And we're all a little whiny about it. We're a little Mm. whiny. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm with you. I'm with you. Us Miami folk, we're really spoiled too. If we get too many days of rain, we just all start pitching a fit. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. And I'm from Los Angeles originally, so I was born in the sunshine in a beach community. And what am I doing in a Pacific Northwest rainforest? I don't know, but it's beautiful here. Yeah. Well, there's a reason you moved out there, and and California is beautiful. I've been there before. Um, so it's really, really pretty there, but yeah, I can see going from a, an, another sunshine state, you know, like, uh, like Cali and then going up to, to Oregon, but you know, 
still beautiful. Yeah. So gotta, yeah. you know, love love where we are. So after we get to chat about where we live and the weather, I get to ask the really hard question. Oh, tell me, because I love all the hard questions. Okay. Well, I, I read your bio just a little bit um, before I got you on the line today, but the hard question is, who are you and what do you do? Oh my goodness. So, uh, you know, for those of you who are listening, so my name is Sandy Fernandez and I am the president and founder of Karmic Currency, the energy behind business and finance. Um, and so as a woman, I wear a zillion different hats um, and it kind of depends, right? What mood I'm in and who you meet at that particular moment determines who I will be at that day. Um, it's funny because sometimes I go to networking events and I'm like, well, what do you do? And I just kind of laugh and I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> because, you know, I essentially do a lot of things, but my favorite things um, to do are to talk about money and help women gain control of their money, how to make them feel empowered, um, you know, shift their ideals and their beliefs about money, um, and really empower them to step into their abundance and to their greatness and, and really start, you know, owning our worth, you know, so many times as women, we, we tend to, uh, devalue ourselves or kind of mute our voices and our power. Um, and it's time that we stop doing that. Yeah. We give it away. We, especially, um, moms, we give it away for free. Yeah. Yeah, we call it we volunteering do. in the classroom instead yes. of getting paid as a teacher's aide. We call it Correct. Yeah, we call it you know, all kinds of things like we we call it taking care of our friends' kids instead of we're providing childcare. Yep. It's true. Yeah. And you know, for me it was interesting because I was always, you know, working. So I was always that mom and and there's Geez, the name now for now escapes me. Um, it's on Netflix, and I can't remember which one it is. I don't know if it's the Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. I think where the mom she's just always in the corporate, and she's dropping out the kids, and she's in the suit, and she's always late to the PTA meetings. And that was always me, um, yeah, me you know. And then all the moms were like baking cookies, and they're like, "Well, you know, Miss Fernandez, you need to." um, you know, help and, you know, this project was due and I'm like, well, listen, you know, I'm running a $90 million portfolio. Sorry. Yeah. Y'all can take care yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, and I don't know what your relationship is while you're raising your kids, but was your partner ever told those same things? Well, no, uh, uh-uh. I got married when I was 19 and I, yeah. And then I had my boys at 22 and 24. And after 13 years of marriage, I was like, I'm done. Oh, and okay. yeah. And listen, I mean, it was tough. Divorce is never easy, um, especially when you get married so young. You know, mm-hmm. you really have established this identity around this other person um, where you still as a young woman are still trying to develop and, and grow yourself, sure. you know, and now you're you're intertwined within this other person. So essentially the divorce is, is not just a process of healing, but it's an untangling, you know, of, of yourself from another person. And, yes. um, and so, you know, when I did that, the boys at the time were, I think they were like eight and 10. And, um, and so at first they didn't really notice and it was fine, but you know, then I went to just stereotypical single mom 
you know, thank God I was very, very blessed and very fortunate that my office was very close to the kids' school. So, I mean, I could literally walk from the back door of the bank where I worked across the PE fields and be at the kids' school. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was very, very close and very convenient. So I was able to be a little bit more hands-on, but unfortunately, every time I was at the school, it's usually because one of my kids were in trouble. So, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. I'm familiar with the inside of the principal's office. (laughs) Oh, man. Let me tell you, when when my boys graduated, because that their kinder their elementary school was a K through eight center, so when the youngest one finally graduated eighth grade, it was like shooting middle fingers at the middle school. It's like I'm so glad you're done. If yeah. I got one more call from that principal, but then that principal went to their high school. Oh my god! <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, I can't get rid of this woman. Um, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't yeah. her fault, right? She was doing her job and. You know, we were all going through our own process. And let me tell you, man, teachers really have it rough. Teachers really have it rough. Oh, they sure do. Yeah. Uh, That is a job I do not envy and I could never do. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, jobs where women give it away, you know, that... I wouldn't say that teachers are giving it away. It's a highly paid profession, but it's nowhere near highly paid enough. And they have mm-hmm. to buy their own school supplies. They're doing work, you know, off the clock for free. It is yeah. brutal. Yeah. And and right now with, you know, with the quarantine too, and, and my boys are big, so they, you know, I'm I'm done with the school stuff, but, you know, but it's very surprising and it's, you know, very eye-opening as I see my my girlfriends and my circle and a lot of my clients that have young kids and even some clients that I have that are teachers that are juggling their own kids at home, teaching their own kids, managing the household, and then having to get online and and teach children through there too. And it's it's very, very overwhelming. I mean, yeah. we're we're kind of in a moment right now where everything is overwhelming. And, and just when we thought we were kind of coming into the clear, we get another wave of change and another wave of, you know, things that we need to deal with as a society, as a culture. And it's like just, you know, wow. I know. It's, it's amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty old. I've never seen anything like this. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you yeah. sound young. You sound like me. So, I mean, listen, I'm ready to tell my age if you're ready to tell your age. I'm going to turn 60 next month. No way. Yeah. Yeah. You sound yeah. so young. Well, thank you. I mean, I've, I haven't seen your picture. They yeah. don't send me your media kid. They're just like, hey, you're going on a no. podcast. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to turn 60 next month, which is just That's mind-blowing amazing. Me. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. No, well, I just turned 43 on Sunday. Well, so. that's, you know, I'm looking at 43 in the rear view mirror and it's young. Yeah. It, yeah. No, listen. I, You're gonna like funny. your fifties. You're gonna like them a lot. Listen, but you so know far what? I'm loving my forties. Honestly, so good, good. Really, really, I am, and I can't wait. I'm like, man, when I'm fifty, like, I mean, I look at J Lo and I'm like, man, that's goals. Yeah, that's yeah. where I want to be. Well, I want to ask you some questions about your work. Definitely, so, let's chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. So karmic currency, the energy behind business and finance. Tell me a little bit first about your, um, your career path. How'd you land in this? 
So I started in banking, um, you know, back when, and it was one of my first jobs and I never wanted to work at the bank. Um, but I got this interview and before I knew it, I was hired and I was like, oh my God, I start Monday at an, at a bank. And before I knew it, I was just really excelling in a career because banking at the time when I started, um, in the early nineties was just changing its culture. When I started, they were bankers hours. We closed at two, you know, and that only lasted a couple of months. Once I started, we started closing at three and then we started closing at four. And then all of a sudden we opened on Saturday and then next thing we know, we got ATM cards and then we got online banking. And then, you know, the, the technology age really just started to take off and the culture of sales really started to progress. And that's truly where I was able to, to truly shine is when I started to realize that banking wasn't what I thought it was. Growing up, you know, we watch Mary Poppins and we remember, you know, Mary Poppins' dad, he was this uptight banker and he was this male dominated industry and it still very much was. And I was this, you know, young little bubbly ray of sunshine who looked 12 behind a teller line. Um, and just people, you know, were just, you know, they liked me, they were drawn to me. And there were a lot of challenges too that I had to face because of all of that. But but somehow I paved my way um, and I just really started moving up the ranks so quickly. And I did that, like I said, for 25 years, I started as a teller and my final, you know, rank at the bank, I was, you know, a senior vice president. I had $90 million under my portfolio, a team of 10 people under me. Um, and it was just really, really amazing, really amazing to watch. Um, yeah. I'm I'm looking at your your bio, and um, you've got a couple of little red flags in there that I just got to ask. Oh, you were reprimanded for being a maverick and let go from your high profile position, Sandy. What did you do? What'd you Girl, do? I was always in trouble, right? Remember, remember, I just told you my kids were always in the principal's office. Okay, mm -hmm. the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, my friend. So <laughs> I was. I've just always been very rebellious by nature and I've always been very inquisitive. So for me, the corporate status quo was something that always made me feel very uncomfortable because banking was very black and white, as I mentioned. And even though I was able to, to excel, there were so many times that, you know, I was just consistently reprimanded. I mean, I was like buddy, buddy with the HR director because I started to you know, get a reputation for being outspoken and for being difficult or, um, yeah, too vocal, too difficult. And I'll never forget it. There was a time where the HR director was literally, and that's why I wrote that. She literally came to my office and she was like, you cannot be a maverick. And I said, why? I said, you know, I'm questioning things that are being done incorrectly I'm calling people out on their bullshit, essentially. And you want me to do certain things, but you're not holding other people to the same standard. And I'm the one that's getting in trouble for questioning it and just saying out loud what everybody else is thinking. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it was, it was tough. Um, but eventually people, you know, they, I, like I said, I did have to earn that respect. And as women, it's very difficult because as women, we get labeled for being a bitch. Oh, men, yeah. are, men are labeled as being strong 
and, you know, and being forthright and being mm-hmm. just. And no, for women, she's just a bitch. She's probably on her period. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Why? Because I was a little bit more emotional in my delivery because I was a little bit more passionate in what I said versus removing emotion, you know, from, from what I'm saying. And, um, you know, and again, and then, you know, I was young, I was attractive and I had all these things going against me. And then on top of that, I was outspoken. I was rebellious. I was always doing these things. <laughs> you were, you were all of it. You were all of it I, and they couldn't take it. No, they, they really couldn't. It's like that meme that says, you know, um, if somebody tells you you're too much, you say, no, honey, it's just you. You're not enough. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. So- and, um, and that's why. And then when I decided even now with my company, I'm still being a maverick. I'm still paving a way. I'm still creating a lane that doesn't exist. I'm redefining money and how we view money and how women look at money and how we're dealing with it. And I'm getting calls from all over the place for people who want to know, you know, what is it that you're talking about? Um, and how do I change my relationship with money? energetically, spiritually, you know, emotionally, um, intuitively. And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. So I wouldn't change it for nothing in this world. My friend, I'd go back and do it all over again, exactly the same way. So you started a business where you're talking about the energy of money. And I Mm -hmm. think that this is on, uh, an unfamiliar, concept to many of my young listeners who are either expecting a baby or they have new, you know, a new family. Um, But that is a time in life where often I think women's relationships with money really changes, especially Mm -hmm. if you go on a maternity leave or you um, can't take a maternity leave and you have to get back to work while your baby is still new. I mean, there's mm-hmm. money means a lot at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the energy of money. So the, um, oh, sorry. I hope you didn't hear that. That was my ringtone. I forgot to put this on sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the energy with money is, it's very different for every person. Um, for women, I do see the energy for women is very different than men, obviously. And that is because women are more emotional with their money. And, you know, as, as moms, right, we're, we're very nurturing. So it is instinctive in us, especially as a woman who's expecting, who's had a baby, we are, are all of a sudden our persona turns into something very protective and nurturing at the same time. And so it's very hard to turn that off. And now we're doing the same thing with our money. We're looking at our spouses. We're looking at our relationships. We're like, well, do we have enough, like you mentioned, for me to take time off? You know, it would have, if, if something happens to me, you know, what, what's going to happen to the baby? You know, if I, if I have my benefits through my job and I decide to quit and be an at-home mom, what happens to my life insurance? What happens to my health benefits? What happens to the baby? So all of a sudden, this, this energy, this worry kind of starts to take over us. And as women, some of the, the biggest energies that we have, and, and one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Jeannie, was, you know, knowing our worth is that, you know, I deal with a lot of female clients and we start saying, 
well, you know, like right now in with the pandemic, it's, you know, oh, I, I lost my job and now I have to, you know, I had one client who was an executive chef. She was a private chef for a very wealthy, wealthy family. And she, she got let go. And she's like, man, at this point, I'm just looking to do anything. And I said, okay, but that's an energy. That's, that's a shift. You don't have to settle for just, you know, flipping pancakes at Denny's. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you're working on a certain <laughs> level, you don't want to necessarily, you know, settle for something that was not where you were at before. Um, with women, a lot of times too, emotionally, we tend to give, like you mentioned with the teachers, we're constantly giving and constantly giving or the, or the moms who are volunteering. Hey, shh. this is, isn't it so great working from home? <laughs> <laughs> My um, dog's so barking in a minute. <laughs> yeah. There's like little children playing outside. So he hears them. No problem. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of those things where, you know, we're giving and we're giving and we're giving, and then we don't know when to set that boundary and we don't know when to stop. And that happens with our money too. Sometimes we get taken advantage of and we don't even realize it. You could be that person in the office who runs out and says, Hey, I'm going to go get everybody. I'm going to go get some Starbucks. Do you want? And all of a sudden everybody's like, yeah, bring me this, bring me that. And then you get back and nobody pays you back. Right. And that happens right. a lot. And then it goes back to that value where, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, I feel bad because now you're emotional, right? You feel bad. I don't want to ask them for, you know, anything. It's okay. I'll get it. But now you're being taken advantage of because the person who's the taker knows, oh, I'll just tell, you know, Sandy to go and get the stuff and I won't have to pay her back. Yeah. So that's kind of that energy and understanding you know, those things about yourself, which I help my clients with is understand those things about yourself that don't allow you to set those boundaries financially. So somebody will come to you and they'll say, what, tell me, tell me what it's like to, to meet a client and to work with a client. There are so many different scenarios, um, that I work with clients that it's very hard to like pinpoint one thing. Um, currently right now, uh, today, for example, I got off the phone with a woman who she works at a nonprofit organization. They are, um, you know, shrinking the, um, condensing her department, consolidating her department. And they are, you know, putting some people on furlough and it's very possible that we'll continue to be some more layoffs. So now they're working with doing the job of more people, you know, with less. So now mm -hmm. she's going to essentially have to do the job of two, three people. And her phone call to me was, how do I get comfortable in this new normal? How do I coach my team to still perform, you know, to the levels that we were performing to now reach out and continue to ask for donations in the time that we're in. So that's, you know, one of the calls that I had today. Um, another phone call that I had today was, um, you know, a beautiful uh, woman as well. She's an esthetician. And, you know, she's like, Sandy, I don't know what to do. Like, I, you know, I, my unemployment hasn't come through. I'm not getting any loans. My, I can't see my clients because my job is to touch people. Yeah. 
and and I I don't know what to do. And now I don't qualify for anything because my tax returns are all messed up. And I've trusted my accountant to do all these things, and I, and I don't know how to do it. And now I don't know how to fix it. So it you know it, it could be anything. I mean, I've had women too who who are carrying over excessive amounts of debt, credit card debt. Um, and when we, when we start looking at the debt that they're carrying, a lot of times it's debt that has to do with past relationships, past hurt. I had one, uh, one client that she had a credit card that, you know, it wasn't astronomical, but she had like twelve fifteen thousand $15,000 on that thing. And she just hadn't paid it off. And she's like, I don't understand. No, it's just there. I haven't even looked at it. And I said, okay, you need to sit there. You need to look at it. And I need you to go through all the statements. I need you to figure out what did you swipe? You know, because you don't just get to, you know, $12,000 in the hole, you know, like this. And it turns out that a year prior, she was dating a guy and she went and she got breast implants. And then a few months later, he broke up with her. And she's never wanted to look at that credit card ever again. Oh, I bet. There's so a lot now of that emotion. energy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the types, you know, just to give you, you know, a perspective. There's just so many things that so people that really. You mm-hmm. with, and they just dump out their their box of money trouble. All yeah. their mess. All their money drama. And, yeah. And stories and history. And mm-hmm. yeah. And they dump it out on you and you figure it out. Uh huh. I help you heal from it. I help you understand what was going, you know, what was going through your mind at that time. I mean, I obviously, you know, I, I hold a very safe space for them, you know, because one of the things that I tell them is that when we work with energy and specifically for those who are listening, who are curious, I specifically work with chakra energy. Um, for those who are familiar or not familiar. So chakras are pockets of energy within the body and each one of those develop at certain ages of our life. They each um, hold different sets of emotion as well as physical symptoms. So for example, someone that could be having consistent stomach aches or consistent headaches or heavy periods or infertility, um, all of those things are and can be um, traced back to these specific pockets of energy. So when we're working with these energies, specifically towards money, we can't untangle the, you know, the emotion. They all go together, but I help you connect that. I help you connect. Why were you in this shitty relationship? You know, why did you feel that you weren't being valued enough that you felt that you needed to go and enhance your body in order to make someone love you? And then I translate that into your money. So I'm like, okay, well, this need for approval translates into your shopping habit. There's a reason why you have a closet filled of, you know, red bottom high heels and you have all this debt to go with it because your value is being placed in material items because you're purchasing items to make you feel better, to make you feel good about a certain something about yourself. So I'm able to connect those dots within, you know, within you to help Mm -hmm. you unravel it. All right. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about chakras and money. I'm interested in that. Yeah, let's do it. So I don't even know what to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so the chakra system, you know, as I mentioned, is 
um, you know, the word chakra is Sanskrit and it literally means spinning wheel. So for, you know, the people, um, or anyone listening who's familiar with it, there are the seven major chakras and they, they come from the first one is sits on your pelvic floor. And that one is red. That's your root chakra. Then we come into your, um, where your uterus is just below the belly button above the pelvic bone. That is your sacral chakra. That's orange. Then we go into your tummy area, which is your solar plexus. That one's yellow. Then we move into the heart, which is green. We move into our throat, which is blue. Then we move into the third eye, which is just the center of your forehead, just above your eyebrows, below your like hairline. Um, that's your third eye. That's where your intuition comes from. That's where manifesting comes from. Everybody loves to talk about manifesting. Mm-hmm. That's where that comes from. And then you have your crown chakra, which is the seventh, and it floats above the head. And that is your connection to spirit, to energy, to the divine. Um, and then there are chakras seven through 12, but we're not going to complicate everybody with that because those are the seven, the seven major ones that reside within your body. And for women, the strongest one is the sacral, which is the orange, which is where we hold life and where we carry um, our passion, where we carry our beliefs and our connection with our parents. So for women, that is really our strongest energy point. So for anyone who is thinking about maybe um, reestablishing their career or getting reconnected with what, you know, passion, you know, if maybe, you know, if you just had a baby, sometimes, you know, the passion is out of your relationship. It just kind of fizzles out. Like who wants to, you know, do the hanky panky when the baby keeps waking up every three hours to feed and you haven't showered in like three days. (laughs) Not not that many, not that many. Right. Right. You know, and, and that's that, that's that energy point that we can tap into. And even women who already, you know, are kind of past that and maybe they want to re-identify themselves or reconnect with their power, with what they want to, maybe they want to do something new with their life. This is, this is that energy as well. This is the space where things are born and things are created and you can connect to that passion. So how do you tell people how to connect with that? So there's a lot of... Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways. Um, I'm a, I'm not a fan of, you know, someone just saying, oh, you can just put, you know, one stone on this place and, you know, put some sage or some Palo Santo and you have, you know, your balance, your chakras. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, your chakras develop at certain times at different ages. So the, really the best way to connect to that is, you know, number one, meditation. Mm-hmm. meditation and visualization, um, connecting to that space, connecting to the color, connecting to the space. If it's someone that's never worked with that energy, it's going to take more than once for that to happen. There are yoga poses that you can do to stimulate the connection with that as well as the, um, as well as your, you know, there are stones that you can use. I love to also use diet to connect to that eating color specific foods you know, just kind of keeping in line with that energy point of orange. Um, if you're trying to connect with that, you know, eat one day, just all orange foods. And I, I do that with my clients when we work with that energy. I said at least one meal a day, you need to have all orange foods. 
whether it be sweet potato, um, you know, squash, oranges, uh, carrots, you know, as much orange as you can fit into one place, even orange juice, you know, throughout the day. And then you visualize that food as you're eating it, as you're drinking it, as it's nourishing your body, reaching those places in your body that you want it to connect to. So there's, there's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different ways that, that we use to connect to that energy. It's like everything else, you know, when, when we're healing, if you break your arm, you got to wear a cast and you got to do physical therapy and eventually you regain that strength. So that's why I tell people, it's not just a one, it's not a one trick pony. It's, you know, we're working with, with our energetic body and we need to do the work in order to get it to heal. So your book is called Karmic Currency, right? Mm-hmm. Why did, yes. what, tell me about that title. So Karmic Currency is also the name of my company uh, and also self-titled the name of the book. And the reason I did that, you know, the reason I called it that, you know, as I mentioned, is because it's it's really, truly an energy. Karma is an energy. And when we learn to treat our money the way that we treat our friends, we will learn to have a better relationship with it. Most people treat their money badly or they're dismissive of the money. And when you start to realize that you've been treating your money like garbage and that's why it doesn't want to stick around is the moment that you can actually shift and change that relationship. If you start being appreciative of your money when you have to pay your bills, no one's excited to pay a bill, but yes, you can be excited to pay your bill. And that's where you need to shift your energy. You know, living here um, in Miami Beach, it gets hot, hot as hell. So when I have to pay my electricity bill and it's, you know, the middle of, you know, July or August, and my bill is at its peak during the year, yeah, it stinks. But at the same time, you shift that energy to gratitude and you start saying, I am so happy that I was able to, to have the money to pay this bill because you know what? I really enjoyed the air conditioning this month. (laughs) (laughs) It was so hot. I really enjoyed cranking my AC to 60 and, uh, and it felt so good. Um, you know, same as maybe you over there in Oregon, it gets so cold, you know, and, and during the winter months, I'm sure, you know, unless you have gas or something like that, but I'm sure that there's a bill that comes very high for energy. That's the moment where, you know, instead of being resentful, you got to say, oh man, I'm so happy, you know, because I was so toasty, warm in my bed and it's so yummy while I can sit and just look at the snow from outside. So, you know, it's just about shifting that energy towards gratitude. And that's when you're going to be able to see that karmic currency with your money and start to energetically understand it. I love that the term for money, currency, is also a term for energy. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So believe it or not, you and I have been on the phone for quite a while. And I I want to ask you. I know. I want to ask you a few more questions, though. Sure. Um, I want to ask you one question before we get to my rapid fire roundup questions. And that is, what else do you want listeners to know? I think right now the hottest topic for me that I have really been advocating and really, you know, almost yelling from the rooftops 
for my clients and for anyone listening is to own your money. It is time that you stop entrusting other people to do what's right with your money. Not your accountant, not your attorney, not your banker, not your mortgage broker, not your husband, not your parents, but you. You owe it to yourself to understand the intricacies of your money and what is going on. And it is your responsibility to ask questions. Just don't take someone's word for it because they have a title at the end of their name. If you don't take control of your money, if you don't start to own it, then no one else is. No one else is going to manage your wallet for you. It is your responsibility. And it's really time that we all you know, use this moment of this, you know, pandemic and we're, we're in this huge energy of really just shift and change, change your relationship with your money and really start to own it, really start to look at it, really start to see what's happening. Even the stuff behind the scenes that you don't understand, ask questions and treat your money differently. When you respect it, when you own it, when you love it, when you want to keep it, it's going to want to stay with you. Oh, that's really so, good advice. I love mm-hmm. that. So where can people find your book? Everywhere, so my, right? Yes. Yeah, so it is available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It is available for download through Kindle and Nook, for those of you who have, you know, the lending library. Um, through the downloadable, it's really cute because the all the little stuff is in color. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But if you buy the book, it is black and white. Um, so it is available there. I also have a free online course at chakrasandmoney.com so that they can find it there. When you sign up for the course, you do get a downloadable worksheet um, as long as a, along with, I'm sorry, a seven day money transformational. So you do get a worksheet that kind of guides you through seven steps each day that you can take to change your relationship with money. And that is absolutely free. And my Instagram is where I'm most active, which is also at Karmic Currency. And I'm also on Facebook as well. Great. Karmic Currency. All right. You ready for the hard questions? Super fast? Oh my gosh. Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. What role do feminism and politics play in your life? Girl, every day. Every, every day. Every day I'm advocating for the women in my life. Every day I'm advocating for our rights. Um. Man, every day. I every don't know. How, day. I don't know how deep you want me to go into that, but yes. Well, I think, and, I'm, and I'm raising sons, so go figure. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good answer. All right, how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Mm. Nobody ever told me shit was going to be this hard. <laughs> no, you'd, you'd be surprised how many women answer the question that way. We didn't know. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, I was reading something by Glennon O'Doyle recently where mm-hmm. the, the gist of it was, it was always meant to be this hard. We just didn't yeah. know it. But, you, you know, know, sort of once you realize, yeah, it was always meant to be hard. Life was never meant to be easy. It's a hard mm-hmm. thing. I think that that provides a little bit of relief. Oh, really? It's not just me? Yeah, it's hard. It really does. And and you know what? It, it's one of those things where, you know, you're right. Life wasn't meant to be this hard, but I think that this is how we build strength. 
And it's like, it sounds cliche where they say, you know, God doesn't ever give you anything more than you can handle. And that's true. And I'm a strong believer of that. Um, Because sometimes we see other women go through things. And I know that I have some female friends that have, that have gone through things that I know that if I went through that, I said, God knows never to do that to me because that would freaking kill me. Like that would literally kill me. Um, And there's things that I go through that other people wouldn't be able to deal with. So I always feel that, you know, it, it's just enough to make us stronger. It, and, and every day we get stronger. And I think that that's really where the lesson is. We didn't yeah. know that it was going to be that hard, but, but are you becoming stronger or are you allowing yourself to be buried by the weight of it all? Yeah. Yeah. All right. My last question for you then is this, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Motherhood is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. Of all the things I've had to do, that is the hardest. And, you know, for, for the new moms out there that, you know, you're struggling with the baby not sleeping and they got diaper rash and they got the colic, you know, and, and you're crying because it's first day of preschool and it's first day of kindergarten. I'm like, man, I would trade that for anything because as these kids get older you are just not ready you there are no books there are no books at least I mean I'm sure there are you know I'm exaggerating but but just (laughs) nothing prepares you for like you know catching your kid having sex or them smoking weed or getting bullied on social media you know, and, and now everything that they're dealing with, you know, with suicide being at at such a high rate, you know, for these millennials, I mean, Godspeed. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, mother, motherhood is hard. Motherhood is hard. Thank God I dye my hair blonde, Janie, because if not, the grays would be all gray, but honestly, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Isn't it fun how we're all seeing everybody's natural hair color right now? <laughs> oh, girl. Yeah. I don't have my hair appointment until the 18th, until two weeks from now. And I told the girls, like, listen, my roots are down to my earlobes. Yeah. I'm almost <laughs> back to my natural state. Because next to my divorce, going blonde was the second best decision I ever made. Wow. <laughs> well, Sandy, this has been a lot of fun. And talking about about money isn't always fun, but this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to reading your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So let's tell um, our listeners once again where they can find you so So, that they uh can get all the information they need. Definitely. So again, my, my, all my handles are at Karmic Currency. My website is KarmicCurrency.com. The free course you can also find through there but it is at chakrasandmoney.com. My Instagram is Karmic Currency. And um, that's really, and my Facebook as well, Karmic Currency. So you can follow me, find me under all the same handle. And, you know, I'm very active on social media. So reach out if you have any questions, if there's anything that you want to know. Um, I am an open book. I am super friendly. Um, you know, this is a safe space for you to share, for you to feel welcomed. Um, you know, and I am here to help you and to help you grow and be empowered and, you know, find your strength and your courage in money. So reach out. Excellent. Well, it was fun. Thank you, Sandy. I hope we're going to talk again down the road. Yay, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you.
That's it for this week, everybody. We want to thank our sponsors, Green Chef, and our guest this week, Sandy Fernandez. You can find me over at jeanfaulkner.com, J-E-A-N-N-E, Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. Email me at jean at jeanfaulkner.com. Uh, tweet me at Jean Faulkner, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. PPP, Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Let's talk next week. Bye-bye.